Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. If you hunt enough, you learn the truth. What you seek speaks a language and knows it well. That's why every Primo's call for everything you hunt is made the right way. We sweat every detail so you get more out of every hunt and nothing leaves our hand until we know it'll work in yours. Because we don't just make the world's best calls, we speak the language. Primo's. In every pair of Tecovis boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. A great pair of Western boots will elevate a casual look or add a refined flair that'll draw both eyes and compliments. Tecovis boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they will last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tecovis store, where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. We also offer custom branding and leather stamping if you want to personalize your boots or fine leather goods. As spring makes its way into summer, stay cool in a short-sleeve moisture-wicking pearl snap or make your own shade with one of their classic straw hats, new in both men's and women's styles. And if you're planning to hit the road, Tecovis' ever-growing lineup of rugged and full-grain leather bags will get you where you're headed in style and are built to last decades. Visit Tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And don't go gently, y'all. So there's a reason why I started Blood Origins. And that reason is simple. Is that I wanted to convey the truth about hunting. It brings awareness to, to non-hunters that it's, it's more than just killing animals. How do I start it? Brittany. My name, my name is. Is. Does my hair look okay? It's fantastic. My name is Mike Axelrod. Start again. Yeah, I hated it too. <laughs> Braxton, you said something in the car to me. You said that you were living on borrowed time. Mm. There's a perception around who hunters are, what we're supposed to be, and a, a feminist that works for a non-profit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. So I shared with you that new So I shared with you that new video that we are creating. And it's almost like I had to learn Adobe Premiere from nothing from scratch. And I thought, ah, I'm pretty good at it. Now with all of these like intricate little bits and pieces that we're trying to bring in. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> to learn how to underline something in Adobe Premiere nicely, or an arrow, or whatever, crossing out like a big X. I spent about uh, three hours today learning Adobe Illustrator, and how that gets then pulled into Adobe Premiere. So, heads up people, there's some good content coming. I spent uh, about 20 years of my professional work career, all the way from uh, owning an advertising agency with my wife to then being uh, like VPs of marketing and sales for very small companies. I spent my entire career relying on people that knew how to do those things, whether it was yeah. Illustrator or web design or video editing. And I couldn't, I can't make Microsoft Word make a four cell table i like i, I can't do any of it <laughs> but uh, i will say this i wish i could pawn this off to someone because i think they could do a better job than me okay number one but here's the issue 
what makes it is the sort of is the intellectual knowledge that's in the video and pairing that knowledge with tweets and pieces out of articles, pieces out of game management plans, pieces out of wherever. I guess you just got to find someone who is good in the Adobe space, but also intuitive, intuitive enough to pull those elements in. Right, or you end up with a back and forth version 1, version 7, version 14, and the whole thing. To, yeah, no, I, I get it, especially when you're trying to create digital content that's somewhat timely. I mean, we're not really talking about creating things that have to go live same day but this can't be uh it can't be a three week two thousand dollar cost process which i'm not saying that's too expensive i'm saying someone that has that skill set in the back and forth no it's a to be a, a a digital uh content creator in today's day and age you almost have to be do it on your own or have the budget where that person sits next, you know, in the office next to you. 100%. And, and without, th- those are really the only two viable options to create timely content. And uh, we are not in the pay a graphic designer to sit in the office next to you at Blood Origins World Headquarters base quite yet. Um, Nor would my wife appreciate someone living in our house. Because that's where the world headquarters are right now. And really, (laughs) the fact of the matter is, I kind of hope we never are. You know, I mean, I kind of hope that we never have a graphic designer on salary. Because those are the type of overhead type things that, uh, you know, that you end up turning into a a giant. There's an incredible video. I need to find it and send it to you. It's... it's about incumbent organizations versus startup organizations, I believe, is the end. Um, you know, it's a, I, you know, you get to that point and all of a sudden you have a lot of overhead and which you didn't have to fundraise for. Um, so <laughs> anyway, yeah, no, I, I know exactly what you mean on that. I, I like the, I like these long content kind of more in-depth videos that you're talking about. I don't know. Um, I won't pretend to know you know, how certain segments of our audience are going to receive them. I think there's a, every day there's more and more people that want uh, the 30,000 foot view in 45 seconds. Um, but I know for a fact that there's still a large group of people out there that actually want to know the ins and outs of what's going on. So I'm excited to see them kind of roll out. Well, I think we've got to adjust to all of those. We've got to figure out like how, I take the long-form content, create reels out of it, and then even go one step further than that and do like a whiteboard video that is, all right, here are the three points that you want to take home in 45 seconds. Right. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It's just a, I mean, it sounds like we're whining, but it's a lot of work. It, it really is to create. Well, no, hell, look, man, it was, I almost was like, I, I've got, like yesterday, I literally spent all day on this video yesterday. And neglected, obviously, sending emails that a typical executive director is doing, right? Looking for money, raising money, uh, putting out freaking financial fires, tax stuff, all that stuff. Right. But hey, it's what we do. Right. Yeah, no, it's what we do. It's uh, And I, I, I really like the video. I like that uh, I always come away from just about everything I watch on the internet. And this is probably, this is not a, a bragging thing. It's probably a fault of mine. I, I always come away with questions in my head. Like, but, well, why did they do that? Or, well, what's the real? I really liked the, the one that, we're not, uh, this is not a spoiler, but the, the long content one that you sent me was about the Washington State uh, Game Commission. I don't know what the proper. Correct. Wildlife Fisheries Commission. And I've, ha- I've had questions. Fisheries and Wildlife Commission. I have questions about that. And if I have questions and I don't answer them, I end up down a rabbit hole of conspiracy theory. Um, 
but if I get the actual facts, I'm not that person, right? Like, I, I, if I know what's going mm. on, I don't start dreaming of weirdo things. It, it kind of seems to me like now that I have even more facts that there is a conspiracy happening. In, the- in every pair of Tecovis boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. Tecovis boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they will last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tacova store, where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. Visit tecovas.com, that's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com, and don't go gently, y'all. State of Washington. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I like that stuff. I think there'll be some people who are really excited to sit down and get an in-depth analysis of a thing as opposed to and then there may be some people that are bored stiff and want to go back to 45 second reels and just get the bullet point <laughs> and luckily we do both 100 percent, 100 percent. well that's where we're going that's where we're going well you missed a hell of a party in nashville sci was off the chain just like dallas um but nashville just had a different vibe man like the fact that you could, here's what was the coolest thing about it. Obviously, they've been in Vegas for forever, in Reno forever. In this convention center, the Music City Center Convention Center, there's windows at the top of the convention center. So sunlight actually penetrates in to the convention floor. That's a weird ass so thing. So you see sunlight. That's a weird thing to be excited about. No, because you see sunlight. If you've been at these conventions enough, you barely see sunlight, especially if you're in Vegas. You barely see sunlight because you're typically, you know, there after dark. You, it was, it didn't, it wasn't grungy. It wasn't, didn't smell like smoke. You weren't getting accosted on the pavement unless you were walking home at two thirty in the morning, which happened a lot. Well, yeah, um, in Vegas, half the time you're five stories underground too in that convention center if you. If you work it right, so but yet, I, okay, I've never contemplated my exposure. To you need to come like, to Nashville. You've been to Nashville. Oh, I've been to now. I love Nashville. Um, um phenomenal place. It was I, a fun I got time. A, I got a picture sent to me of good friend of Blood Origins, Derek Wolf, at dinner. Oh no no no! At dinner with good friend. Yes, with Blood with, with who? With who? With Daryl Daryl Carver. Yeah. Now listen to me. This is this is a this is this is going to be my soapbox bitch session. You ready? Y- yeah, I'm. I've, you've you've Daryl Carver. Daryl Carver in Nashville. I meet John Party on the floor. I say, "Hey, John Party, just want to introduce myself. We've got mutual friends, Kirsten Hairston and Daryl Carver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're about to show up here in Nashville. I'm like, oh, really? Yeah. Ah, Carver's about to be in town. Oh, that'll be sweet. Okay, cool. Text him. I hear you coming. Yeah, I'm going to be on the show floor soon, soon. Crickets. Crickets. That's kind of what you did to I'm me. Like, right, That's kind of right. what you did to me in Dallas. Yeah, but it, that's not the same. Let's, let's, let's stay on subject for a second. All right? <laughs> so, then, so then I'm in the morning. I'm like, I was like, all right, let me, I, I'm checking my Instagram like I'm doing every morning. I look at Derek's Wolf's Instagram. Lo and behold, there's Carver in a cowboy hat, hairs down to his shoulders. And I'm like, huh. So I screenshot the photo. <laughs> then I text him. I said, hey, you're going to be on the floor today? No response. No response. No response. Obviously, he had a good Nashville night too. He texts me finally. He's like, man, we had a long night. I don't know if I'm going to make it to the floor. And so then I just send him the text message of the screenshot. And I was like, well, this is just, this is as close to, as, this is as close as I'm getting to Daryl Carver in Nashville. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> to be fair, he went to dinner with uh, Derek Wolf, John Pardee, and Kid Rock and their uh, significant other. <laughs> so I'd have probably, I'd have probably yeah, well. left you to do. Uh, I totally get it. I totally get it, Carver. I, I, even though you haven't apologized, I accept your apology. And I accept the extenuating circumstances you were on. So, <laughs> With, On trips like that, I can tell you right now, and I've, Daryl Carver's been uh, 
you know, one of my best friends in the world for 26 years now. And uh, he has met his match with Kirsten <laughs> in the sense that uh, he really never in his life, I mean, whether it was when we were uh, E3s in the military and he was in charge of, uh, he pretty much bossed me around in our barracks room all the way to uh, when he retired, he had about uh, 4,000 Marines underneath him. He's always been the guy making the decision. And uh, he is he is he is not no longer in that position in a, in a night out in town in uh, Nashville. He is no longer that person. And mm-hmm. it's honestly good for him. The dude's relaxing and having fun. And I love it. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. What'd you get up to? You know what? Uh, I've got this. Uh, I've got a fairly new circumstance in my life as well that I'm kind of uh, Mr. Momming around here a lot. My wife is uh, my wife is on business travel 14 of the next 15 days. Oh, jeez. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I don't. It 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 sounds like I'm, there's there's zero complaining. I mean, I, I wish he was here. I, I like, I like my wife a lot, and like yeah. every time, every 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 time, Aaron asked me what what's going on with Cody, I said, "Well, he's he's Mr. Mom." That's right. And she just rolls her eyes. She just rolls her eyes. Like it's like a, a hard job in comparison to what they do, right? What our what our spouses do, right? No, it's it's not. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm pretty spoiled, but I that that is what I'm doing, um, and a little woodworking and. Uh, we're recording this. Thing. How's the live edge table going? Um, I ran into some things. I had to do some research on. Um, not to mention life. It's moving. I, I made some progress on it on it yesterday, but I'm now epoxying. Um, and she wanted mm-hmm. some, she wanted some colored epoxy and and uh, some of the like you're making it look like a river or something like that. No, it's really like uh, the wood that we cut down. We did it with wood from our property. And the wood that we cut down had some worm, uh, worm holes in it, some worm trails in it. So we're filling them in with a, with kind of a metallic. It's called gun, it's called gunpowder metal, colored okay. epoxy. Um, and I like I thought I had all the backside. Like I got a lot of epoxy drips all over the floor of my shop right now from trying, <laughs> and then. And then, you know, some of them were fixed with tape and then some of them, the tape tip. So I'm, I'm figuring out that process now. Feel free to text us at 620-860-4804 with any of your wood epoxying tips. Uh, Cody needs them. So I'm, I'm a lot of YouTube videos, man. I have watched a lot of YouTube videos. And I watched a lot of YouTube videos today about Adobe Illustrator. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's uh. (laughs) It's amazing. Irvin, our uh, uh, 17-year-old, came to me the other day, and he said, there's really no need to go to school because I can learn everything on YouTube. And as a parent... Good point. Coming up with the... uh, that's It's kind of a because-I-said-so thing right there. You have to fall back on, yeah, but you're going to school tomorrow because I said so. Um, Yeah, but you can't find friends on YouTube. That's the, you know... How's you going to socialize? No, 100%, 100%, but that's not, it doesn't seem like the greatest reason in the world. I don't know, maybe it is, maybe that's my argument. I don't, I don't know, I have trouble coming up with an argument and I fall back on, because I said so, because I, you know, yeah, <laughs> because you really can learn everything on YouTube. Now, I will tell you, there's just like gardening, gardening, fly fishing, and woodworking are the three things that I study on YouTube. And it's good because it makes you think, but man, there's a lot of conflicting opinions on how to do things, right? Like, you you got to pick a source and follow their lead, or you go down just endless dead-end trails of different opinions on how things should be done. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Talking about endless opinions on things, how are our text messages looking? A little slow. I really was looking for... The uh, herbivorization 
conversation to bring it up. Um, Dave Gittleson keeping us up to date on uh, the Wolves in Colorado. The Wolves thing, which kind of took a lull and has now gotten incredibly contentious. Um, Chris from Utah, in true Chris from Utah form, sent us uh, a novel on shed hunting because that's what he does um didn't he just get banned from shed hunting in utah yeah that, because of winter conditions that's kind of that's kind of what give me your give me give me the thoughts on that i don't i've got a piece of chocolate in my mouth right now so you, why don't you give me your thoughts and i'll give you my thoughts once i finish the chocolate here's where i get caught up okay People are still riding snowmobiles, ATVs, and hiking all over that country. People are riding snowmobiles, ATVs, and hiking all over Colorado. Unregulated, not not unregulated. I mean, there are places that you can and can't go, but but that's the that's the that's the um, operative um, term. Right there. No, but it's not. That's what I would push back on. But it doesn't. But they don't. Um, what, I, what I'm saying is, well, what I meant by there's places you can and can't go is you got to stay on the snowmobile or the ATV trail. I can go hike can the entire San Isabel National Forest 12 months out of the year. But you won't. In, in big snow conditions, you won't. As a hiker, you wouldn't. You would stick with the trail. You would stick there. Hunters shed hunting will go everywhere, and they'll go into places that are uh, refugia places that these elk are in, and in these conditions, these high snow conditions, any kind of condition that is, it's almost like antithetical is the water in Arizona um, example, that if resources are tough, and times are tough, and stress is high on an animal, why would you want to put more stress on the animal? And people shed hunting, pushing them around, and a hiker and a snowmobiler is not doing that because they're sticking to the trails. All right. I can, I can, uh, I can see the logic there. Uh, here's, here's, okay, I got one more point. Well, this is what I'm saying. These are things that bounce around in my head, not things I'm set solid on, all right? I also think putting a season date on it makes everyone that's going to do it go that day. Like, where, you know, there might be a... So either, you either like, so Jen, so what you're saying is you'd prefer to have something like after the hunting season is closed... Say two weeks later, you are you are legal to pick up sheds for the next five months. No, because you're still putting it. I mean, what I'm saying is, I believe it's April. Okay, first of all, this doesn't affect me personally because I really don't shed hunt. I mean, I I do some scouting in the spring of new areas and sometimes find a shed, but I do not shed hunt. It's not I'm not that dedicated or fit. I think, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm saying I don't know. It seems weird to me. Um, quite honestly, I should get back to the point from Chris's text because that's where we were at. Chris kind of, uh, kind of was talking about the same thing that I'm talking about. Um, the, he, he sent us a link from someone who you know, was a little bit of a shot in the dark. He sent us a Facebook link from someone named Bubba. You know, draw from that way you will. Um, of a video of a DNR helicopter chasing an elk around to do whatever they were intending to do during the Utah shed hunting ban, right? Like, okay, we can't, mm -hmm. we can't walk around in the woods, but you can chase the animals with helicopters in the deep snow. 
you know, we, we don't know the facts there. That's a, that's like a, we don't know the facts. Why were they chasing that LMO around? I don't know. Um, I have some of the same thoughts as Chris, though, that it sure seems like a, I don't know. I guess it seems like a big government thing. Like they just thought up a reason to make another game law. Um, and I truly believe that when you put the April 1 start date for shed hunting, you better hope there's not deep snow on April 1 because they're going, right? That you've made it like the pheasant opener in Kansas or the deep mm-hmm. opener in Mississippi or the, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and anyway, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not uh, I'm not being negative and I don't have a better answer so I don't know what I'm upset about but it just seems uh seems like a bureaucratic move on my part to limit shed hunting dates. I do get what you're saying um and I, and and I and I see the logic in it. Anybody text us about the phenomenal herbivorize podcast? Honestly, no. Listen, I don't know. I think people were just so blown away by the idea of it. They were just like, what What could? It, what kind of text could we send? I appreciated your text to me, <laughs> Robbie. <laughs> well, we, so what are you guys going to do about habitat degradation at like a massive scale? Yeah, we haven't thought about that. <laughs> yeah, we, we haven't thought about destroying nature so our feelings don't get hurt. Like... This is, it, this is, uh, we did get several texts, but we've already covered them. The text came from people who listened to our last roundup where I got wound up about the, the subject. But since it's launched, we haven't got it. But you hadn't listened to it. You hadn't listened to it yet. No, I hadn't even listened to it. I just was under the concept. I thought seriously, like, I'm going to be honest with you, Robbie. Sometimes I think you need to be. I don't think you need to be. Sometimes I personally wish you pushed harder with the morons that are, that we graciously have on our show. <laughs> I, thought, I thought you did a great job of. That's why Mark Williams is advocating for the hashtag free Cody movement. Right, right. No, 100%. And I, I would not. I've, I've never been uncivil with a guest that we had, but. I, that would have been as close to as I could have been because those are two people. And here's the biggest glitch with me on the herbivorized thing. We don't need to stay on it forever. Go listen to the episode if you want and text us at 620-860-4804 or send an email to info at bloodorigins.com. Let us know what you think. But they'll raise a bunch of money, a whole bunch. I, I, I truly think they will. I think they'll find some people and they'll end up dealing with seven figures of money um to accomplish what not only something that I or, or to try to accomplish something that I think is impossible right like I I don't I don't understand even the grasp of the scale to do this and then when they started talking about ticks and bugs and like carnivorous plants. So many comments that said the best part of the podcast was when I said, so, so how far do we go down the scale? And I started going down and I said, even ticks? And the response was, definitely ticks. Yeah. And I think <laughs> that, they'll, that they'll raise some money. And I just wish that they'd take that money and buy a block of land somewhere and make it completely natural. I, I, I wish that they would do a thing that actually was realistic. And I truly think that that's a horrible thing for nature. Like, a, like if you could, if, if, if you were the, you know, some omniferent being, I think I just made omniferent up. If, if, if you were God and you snapped your fingers and just. You sound like Robbie Kroger now. Omniferent? Exactly. I must be rubbing. I must be rubbing off on you. And all you did was just make all the predators herbivores. I I think the Earth would collapse. I mean, I I you, you everything would just disintegrate. Now you know, and they're gonna go. St- they're gonna go raise money. There's a donate button on their website, and they're gonna go raise money to do that. And it's not some dumb redneck approach of mine to say 
that's silly. I, I think it's truly a catastrophic step to try and take. I don't think they'll, I, I'm not worried that they'll do it. I'm worried that they'll take hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars away from, even if they're taken away from Billy Bob's barbecue, I'd rather Billy Bob's barbecue had those people's money than these two guys. Well, you don't have to worry. They're, they are certainly thinking in the 100,000-year time scale, sir. Um, the donate button's up right now, stuff. Robbie. The donate button is up right now. Oh, no, I know. No, no, no. They're, no, they're donating. They want money for their research to start now. Um, but they know that the ideas are not going to come into fruition anytime soon. Um, Give me any example. Uh, Hold on. I, I, I can't stop. I can't stop. Give me any example of where I need your money now to research something that's not going to happen for hundreds of thousands of years is a good idea. Give me a single example. Well, according to them. No, I don't want to call Their example them. is. <laughs> it's. I don't have that answer. I don't have that answer. I don't either. All right. Next controversy. Uh, I, I saw a couple of emails. We're going to have Matt Ranilla back on the podcast. He has, have you had any emails since uh, the, the initial burning Blood Origins at the Stake email? Yes, he's offered, I sent him, um, the data, I guess. I didn't, I didn't, I, I sent him in bullet points that I typed out the data that we received from Land Trust about. And what did he say to that? Um, he said I would love to come on and talk about that. So I sent back an option. We're 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 working. We're scheduling to come on okay. and talk about it. Uh, I do. What we need to do is to be fair across the board. So I said to, I think the guy's name is Dave, who runs his social media. That's a friend of his. Dave wanted us to ask Land Trust a bunch of questions. Good. I said okay. What we need to do is we need to ask Land Trust to ask them to write a list of questions for them. 100%. To, to be fair on both sides, uh, so that we are not biasing one way or another. Um, I will say this. So yeah, that, was, uh, that, sh that should be a good podcast series, those two together. I think you, you can go back and listen to anything I've ever said on this podcast. And my stance about Matt, Matt Ranella and Hunt Quietly has always been, I like Matt. I think he's an intelligent, passionate dude. And I like about 90% of the concepts of Hunt Quietly. He, I, I just don't like his delivery on most things. Now, they yeah. have since then posted kind of a uh, mission statement or a or a a creed um, mm -hmm. and part of their mission is to this and I can't quote the mission exactly but they 100% use the word shame people um mm -hmm. and I don't like it I, I, I don't like this brash approach of attacking people who do something that either you don't like or you don't understand and I think this land trust thing you know, is a really good example of that. Should you have attacked Land Trust and attacked Blood Origins for talking about Land Trust if you still have a whole bunch of questions that need answered? That, that's the part I don't like. Um, <laughs> I still have a massive amount of respect for Matt Ranella as a person and his passion that he's pushing to get these things, to get the things that he's passionate about done. But, uh, Probably anyone. I can't think of a single example where someone put the word shaming other people in their mission statement. Um, now, here it is. It's, um, it's uh, social media disincentivize uh, in parenthetical shame dash comma unfollow hunters that display dead and dying animals to strangers on social media. Yeah. Discourage hunting nonprofits from recruiting, retaining, and reactivating hunters into a severely overcrowded pastime. Uh, there's lots of other things in here. There's some really good stuff. 
No, 100 you know, engage in the fight for habitat and access. No. Um, but yeah, the shaming game almost goes down the road of like the meme accounts that they're trolls. They're, 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 and they're already doing it. They're, they're trolling people on the internet. Um, and I'm, hmm. I'm, I'm not a fan of that at all. I got on there, I, I follow them and have on Instagram, like some of the stuff that they post. They posted a big thing. Um, I don't know. It was about something about about uh, somebody who had gotten into an argument. Some quote unquote hunting celebrity that had gotten into an argument with them and unfollowed them because they were going to shame people. Um, I posted on, and then there's a lot of comments. So there's a there's a solid amount of comments on the post bashing anyone who makes their living off of sponsorship as as a hunter as an outdoorsman um i posted on there and put i have one question any of you if offered a sponsorship by the bow or rifle company that you used to post a few posts a month would you turn it down um it was pretty cool. I got about 50-50 responses, and I think that half the people that said they wouldn't mm. accept that sponsorship were full of crap, honestly, but some of them seemed legitimate and sincere. It <laughs> really came out hard against Jim Shockey, and I'm telling you, man, if you go and look at Jim Shockey's posts, the vast majority of them are about his family and, and fighting for legislation. Like he, he does very little promotional mm. stuff on his social media, and I truly think... I'm not saying that other hunting people aren't sincere, but I've met Jim Shockey and I've dealt with Jim Shockey in some business relationships. That's a really, really genuine person right there that gaming mm -hmm. Jim Shockey is just a bad idea. He's one of the good ones um, and hunts as hard as anybody in the world and is as good at it as anybody in the world. That, that kind of stuff, shaming people is just not my cup of tea, I guess. So we'll have them on. We'll have them on the podcast. We'll have Lantros on the podcast. Uh, we'll ask the questions of both. And, uh, you know, we'll put the information out there for everyone to truly understand and, and truly get. So, um, hey, there's, there's a couple of things brewing right now in, South, in sort of Australia that I wanted to talk, to talk to the rest of the time to. And literally, I've just gotten off the last... I'd say two hours before we got on this podcast talking about South Australia bow hunting ban. There's another ban coming or not ban right now, but they are looking for it every year, which is the duck hunting ban in, in Victoria. Um, but I had Kai Furno on. Kai Furno is a survivalist. Um, do you remember that show? Um, What was the chick with the... She had a bob hair. She had tattoos all over her body. The blind side, maybe? The blinded? Blinded? And they used the tattoos to, like, discover detective work and whatnot? Oh, yep. Okay. You had to throw in the... You, I thought you're we saying were, that just to, no, no, to I thought pacify we me because some, you have no idea what I'm talking about. That wasn't a survival show in any way, and that's the way I would... You said no, 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 it wasn't. No, yeah, I remember. No, and they it wasn't. Her, she was, uh, I think, naked on the... Correct. Street, yeah. I remember that part of it. So let me, let me tie these two things together. <laughs> she did a lot of stunts in that, in that TV series. And Kai Furno from Australia was her stunt double. So just a little interesting piece of information. Anyway, she has hunted all her life. She lives in the country. She's a traditional bow hunter. And if you don't know, you probably don't if you're from the American audience, but South Australia right now, you've seen a couple of pieces of information from us. We've posted some infographics. We've posted a couple of videos. I'm going to post a long form video in the next two or three weeks. But Susan Close, the Department of the Environment Minister for South Australia, has pretty much sent a letter out to the public of South Australia that bow hunting is going to be banned. Um, and it's just a matter of a timeline of, of, of it being banned. 
don't know if you can do anything about it. I don't think even legal recourse at this stage. I don't even know what legal recourse is possible in that Australian legislative season, session um, system. I have no idea. But it's the classic rhetoric that the antis have hooked into, RSPCA specifically down there. And it's all tied around how bow hunting Cody is inhumane. Okay, one real quick point that I could be wrong about. Wasn't there some jackassery that started this? Didn't somebody shoot a parrot or something? I, I, I have that told. So there has been multiple arrows found in cockatoos and wallabies and a sea lion. The sea lion was the one who broke the, it's almost essentially the needle that broke the camel's back. Right. Now there's, there's, you know, there's discussions on the internet. I've had conversations with people. I've had messages sent that the sea lion incident was like, it had nothing to do with everything. Okay. I get it, but it is, it's part of their rhetoric. It's what they use. And all three of these animals that have been found with, um, arrows, these arrows do not, they're not, they're not broadheads. They're target arrows, they're like field tips. And so they're banning bow hunting. They're not banning target archery. Um, and likely, the, more, the most parsimonious answer to why these animals have arrows in them is because you've got a bunch of teenagers, you know, playing the fool, like we used to do, but we had a, a, a BB gun and a red rider, right? And you'd shoot a bird. You don't really notice a bird with a BB in it. Here, you see an arrow sticking out of a bird. A much bigger public audience to the, the sort of visceral nature of that quote-unquote agreed inhumane practice of not killing something appropriately. And that's, that, that, just to be clear... They're not using the cockatoos and the sea lions as their argument. They're using the lack of lethality in bow hunting, the, the, the amount of wounded animals in their mind in bow hunting um, as their argument. They believe that bow hunting is inhumane. It, it is, there's no way it can kill as efficiently as a rifle. There's no way that... It's, there's just no way. And honestly, from a layman's perspective, from someone that doesn't know anything, how can a bow and arrow kill so effectively? How can it be so efficient? We've been through this. We had, Which is completely the opposite. We had the guy from uh, the broadhead maker from Colorado. on. Yeah, Iron Will Outfitters. Iron, Iron Will Outfitters. Yeah, and he, and like, with, in the, in the, and with nothing but respect, that dude's a broadhead nerd. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, mm -hmm. like an engineer that came in and, and studied lethality. Um, it, it's, it's quite funny that the, the idea of it being inhumane is actually quite the opposite. If you break it down, right? Practice. Does practice make it more humane or less humane? More makes it more humane. More humane, right? Who practices the most in the hunting space? Bow hunters. Social media right. bow hunters. Yeah. <laughs> right. Social media, but you know, a lot of people don't do it in social media and do practice. Um, what is you know? Is it when you look at the mechanics, as we talked about, the engineering? The sharpness, the deep lacerations, humans, medical research showing that deep lacerations are painless. And if you took that into the animal kingdom world and you know and have seen animals being shot with bows and arrow that don't move, don't flinch, right, and then kill over. So what's more humane or inhumane? A deep laceration or a crushing wound through, you know, with a bullet? It's probably... A bow and arrow. And the science is even showing it. The cortisol levels in red deer up in Scandinavia. Difference between rifle hunting, stalking, pushing, and bow hunting. Which animal has the lowest cortisol levels in its blood after being taken? The bow hunted animal. 
Don't you think, though, though, that, like, I, I agree with everything you just said. There's no, I'm not countering anything other than the, they're, they're, they're not going to listen. Facts isn't how you win this. I mean, they're not going to. No, 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 no. They're, 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 you're never going to, you could have Jesus and Muhammad come down and say, look, bow hunting's more lethal and less painful. And they, they, they wouldn't believe it. They wouldn't. They wouldn't, uh, it's, it's not about that. It's about, it's about, uh, it, it's a method that they're using to attack hunting. Um, and, uh, a, a, a niche of hunting that is growing rapidly. You know, I mean, there's a lot more, I, I, I became a bow hunter at a time when it was very hard to find a bow and be a bow hunter a long damn time ago. And, uh. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I agree with you. I and I, I, I do think that there's the possibility to be completely just fair about it. I do think that a lot of bow hunters practice a lot. I'll say this: I do think you have to practice more with a bow to be lethal than you do with a scope rifle. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. I think that that I could hand. If I handed 10 just normal human beings that had never shot a gun and handed them a scoped rifle to make a 100-yard shot on a deer, and I handed 10, the same 10 people that had never shot a bow, a bow to shoot a deer at 30 yards, more of the rifle people killed the deer. Agreed. So I I do think there's a level of, I think for the most part, bow hunters and anyone that I would classify as a bow hunter, they take the time to reach that level of proficiency. Um, but it, it does have to be done. And there, you know, I, I think the majority of uh, of wounded animals in the bow world come from a legitimate type of buck fever or whatever you want to call it. The the, the proximity makes it more nerve-wracking than, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, and the only way to overcome that, uh, that adrenaline rush anxiety is mass repetitions. It just is. It's got to be clockwork. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, it's, uh, here, here's where I stand on this whole issue, is that we're five years too late. And I say that like this. This whole idea of RSPCA, Susan Close, banning of bow hunting, step number one, essentially, in in the sort of death by a thousand cuts, it didn't start six months ago. It started a long time ago. And we as hunters, we as a hunting community, have never played that game. We've never played this long ball strategy game. And it's time we do. It's a time we need to. The whole fighting fire with fire campaign that we've been talking about, that is a part of the strategy for the starting today for the next five to ten years to get bow hunting back in South Australia. And we have all the things on our side to do it. We have the food side of things. We have the management side of things. We have the ecosystem health side of things. All of these things play into duck hunting as well in Victoria. Okay, let's talk about... We have to, You made the transition to duck hunting, and we've been talking about this uh, Southern Australia duck hunting thing off and on for over a year now. Two, three years. Two, three years now. Every year it comes up. Does, Every year it comes up. Does anything about... This is the, 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 the thing that we need to discuss honestly and then start our soapbox. Does anything about the duck population dictate? Let, I, I firmly believe this. If you're, a, it does not. It does not. Nothing about the duck population dictates that there should be less hunting. And so the Game Management Authority of Victoria do surveys, regular surveys, to determine duck populations in Victoria, and they base seasons and at bag limits supposedly, and this is where the the controversy comes in, on those surveys. 
you can question the surveys. You can question whether or not they're actually a representation, a representative survey of ponds and creeks and rivers that will hold ducks. The argument's going to fall on deaf ears unless the Game Management Authority changes their ways. But they do survey ducks, and the population is strong. There is not a declining population, and it's been strong since 1952, since these guys have been duck hunting in Victoria. Unfortunately, recreational duck hunting around them, specifically to the north, New South Wales, is gone. There is no more recreational duck hunting in New South Wales. There is pest management duck hunting in New South Wales, which is unlimited hunting of ducks and geese, I believe, on rice fields just across the border in New South Wales. So what now? What do the people that are trying to ban duck hunting in southern Australia say their reason is? Because it's it's the same reason as the banning of bow hunting in South Australia. It's inhumane to the ducks that it's an arcane way of gathering your food. It's not something that uh, the Victorian society, Victorian being the, the, the Australian people that live in the state of Victoria, believe is something that is still needed in today's society. That is the rhetoric. It's got nothing to do with declining duck populations. It's the exact same argument as we should make lions eat grass. <laughs> no, it is. It's, yeah. It hurts our feelings, so we should modify nature. It's the exact same, well, this... the exact same argument for turning the American Indian and every other indigenous people in the world to make them act like white Europeans. <laughs> we don't like the way they act, so we should change it. We're going to change nature because it hurts our feelings or doesn't abide by our created morals or ethics. Well, to me, again, I think that the argument here needs to shift away from the action and needs to shift to characteristics of the human population today that are becoming more and more valuable. I think sourcing your own food, the locavore movement, where you get your food is something that is a strong, strong argument. Especially from a duck perspective, the idea of ecosystem management, the management of wetlands, putting nesting boxes, restoring wetlands, buying land, making more habitat. That's a Ducks Unlimited model. It's the same model that's happening in Victoria. Uh, you know, Thousands of hectares of wetlands could be lost if they say, okay, we're dropping, you know, no more duck hunting. Well, the duck hunters could be essentially like throw your hands in the air and say, we're done. We're not going to look after those swamps anymore. And when they turn around, the answer are, well, oh, you're not doing it anymore. You don't care for the wildlife. You said you've been caring for the wildlife all this time. And now all of a sudden when you can't hunt it, you don't care anymore. Well, it's the same bloody concept if you said, well, you're not allowed to go hike that mountain anymore. But we still want you to go in there and clean it up. Or pay us to pay someone else to clean it up. That's what they'll do. Is they'll, is they'll you, you're not going to manage these ducks anymore, so let's raise your taxes or create some weird-ass, I used to be a duck hunter stamp that you have to buy so that someone else has to go do it. Just, you know, like, mm -hmm. and I don't... Uh, it's the same argument. It's the same argument as for bivorizing. It just is. It's, I don't like that. I, I I still go to McDonald's, and get a quarter pounder, and eat meat. Yeah. But I don't like the method that you're using to get your meat, even though we're now at like the two million year mark that human beings have been doing that. Or two million? Five, yeah, we got we just we're at two point three million years now on evidence of hunting from bipedal hominids, not human beings. Oh man, because we're only three hundred thousand years back on human beings right now, but on Homo sapiens. But still, it 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 
I wish I could make everyone watch that Stephen Ranella YouTube clip when he's sitting in that in that book reading in that bookstore, and the guy <laughs> asks him about it, and, and I'll butcher it horribly, but he basically says, "Look, the sliver of time when you're not not hunting is the unnatural thing. Not mm -hmm. hunting is the non." natural thing it's the thing that, mm -hmm. that is weird and is and is not a part of nature is not hunting um mm -hmm. and i don't uh i don't know I, I i say i don't know all the time i i don't understand i don't understand their process the biggest thing i never understand is is time and treasure there's only so much time and there's only so much money in the world and whether you think that as an elected politician, your time needs to be spent keeping people from eating ducks in southern Australia, or as a scientist, kind of not really, you know, I also got like how you got both those guys to admit that neither of them are scientists. If you're <laughs> devoting, devoting your time and other people's treasure to making lions eat grass, um, I would fight in a war for your right to do those things because of my political beliefs, but holy shit, are you wasting the world's time and treasure? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, my friend, um, I don't know if you knew this or not. I don't know if I told you at the beginning of this podcast. Did I tell you that we're doing the video on this one too? No, no. You could have let me know. I'm trying it out. Yeah, you were like full on face in the freaking into the camera. Could have gotten prettier, you know. Trim my beard. Well, in. I wanted to test it out to see if it had, if it was getting any better. Um, so that way we can put a YouTube video up of uh of the podcast itself. So yeah, cheers. Here's my drink. Here's proof. Cheers. Yeah, that I drink during. Cheers. If you're watching the video. Me too. What you got? Normal agave? Yeah, I'm hooked. It's gonna be a while before I switch. It, now people can also see the uh, Blood Origins hat that we discussed giving away That's right. once in a while. I got this one. Yeah. I'm getting. I'm getting a couple made of these. <laughs> I'll get you one of these. My wife has one of those that that uh, the 11 year old wears to town every once in a while because he thinks it's cool. Uh, she's got the cork one. Yeah, cork it is one. cork. You're right, but it's the same. It's you could put your flies in there, Cody. Like. Like a real fly fisherman. Right. <laughs> like a real fly fisherman. <laughs> like a real fly fisherman. Final words, my friend. No, just uh, just uh, send us a text. We're a little low on text over the last week, and that makes... What about voicemail? Send us a voicemail. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's exactly what we need to do. Same number, 620-860-4804. With the system we have... I have to stop answering. That's part of. I've done that to two people now. Oh, they've called and yeah. you've actually answered the phone because the app is on my phone and it rings if I don't. Uh, I also think that it, I need to go in. I never did go in and adjust the. Uh, like I think it says, "This is Cody. Leave me a message." <laughs> I probably need to, probably need to adjust that. But six two zero eight six zero forty eight zero four. Send me a text. I mean, really, just if you just want to bullshit. I got plenty of time. We can just text around and talk about shit if you want to. Or... Well, you actually don't have a lot of time, Mr. Mom. Yeah, but then I, I, I drop four days a week. I just drop them off at school and then tackle my table <laughs> the day. I spent, uh, I got five hours today into planting my cold weather vegetable seeds and getting them started in my, in my seed room downstairs. Nice. Nice. I'm quite jealous of people's seed rooms. I don't need them in the South, but I actually want one. But, yeah, so. I, I have to have it almost, or the some of this stuff would never... My, my, I have a very short growing season. I mean, I won't be able to mm -hmm. take stuff outside until late May or early June. Um, oh, jeez. And then, you know, again, uh, three years ago on September 12th, it snowed 18 inches here. So it's 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 very short if you don't do things inside. So I mm. I got a storage mm -hmm. room downstairs and some grow lights and some heaters and some fans, and I got it rocking and rolling today. Crazy. Well, I'm going to fly to uh, Dallas-Fort Worth tomorrow to investigate a potential big, big, big thing to do that we are going to do for the first time this year. So I'll give you an update. 
All right. Next Monday. Sounds good. All right. Cheers, mate. Cheers. Well, that's it for today. I appreciate you listening, as always. Leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, do what's right to convey the truth around hunting. You want to succeed. You want to fish. You want to be one of the greatest. Tune in to West Marine's Life on the Water, presented by Costa Custom Boats, every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. On Mondays, head offshore with Captain Scott Walker and Steve Roger for breathtaking deep sea adventures. Coming to me, coming to me, coming to me. Double. He's jumping, he's jumping, he's jumping. Oh! Oh! Look at that belly. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Tell a few fish stories along the way. On Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.